So what does happen to a dream deferred? We'll try to find out on the 12th episode of the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion, with an American accent. Once again, I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. Because of holiday schedules, or scheduling issues, we're recording this very late at night, so I need a little caffeine. So I'm drinking a uh, British import of the cola variety. I have a Fentiman's Curiosity Cola, which I've doctored with uh, New York's own Hella Bitters, the aromatic bitters, just to give it a little bit of punch and try to keep myself awake through what is going to be a, uh, a very busy episode of this podcast. But we will not dispense with our opening frivolities. We'll just move on. Evan, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a Yingling traditional lager, the original amber beer. Yingling is the oldest brewery in America, and it was formed in 1829 in Pennsylvania. And honestly, it's one of—it's probably my favorite lager uh, that's out there that I've ever tried. So, uh, beautiful beer. It was a very big deal when that came into Connecticut because it only came into Connecticut maybe five years ago at this point. Like, yeah, you get all it was- manner of local or not local but out of state craft beers before you could get yingling yeah it was the same with ohio i think it came in uh probably 2010 or 11 and yeah it was a huge deal uh people knew of it but i hadn't had it before so it was very good paulo and what are you drinking good evening chaps i'm um i'm celebrating the season with a santastique which is uh apparently a hazy Belgian white ale with Christmas spices from Tool Brewery, a brewery in Denmark, although this is made in Belgium. So, um, season's greetings, all. There's only three of us this week, as because we are recording late at night. It's even later at night across the pond where James and Patty are. Probably have a full complement of podcasters back for next week's show. Uh, at this at this point, it's early in the morning over there. I think it's about fair enough. Four, dawn, four dawn fifteen a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who want to try to wake Patty up? I mean, Patty might still be out drinking. Yeah, that's the uh, the usual for Patty. So we'll kick things off this week, like we do every week, recapping the previous games. Only we're not going to do that. Uh, because if you really want to know about the Middle, Middlesbrough game, uh, just go back to our Norwich recap from a couple of weeks ago, because it was the same game. And before we get to the Forest recap, there's probably some news we have to cover first. A little bit happened over uh, the Christmas holiday before Boxing Day. Carlos Carvajal leaves the club by mutual consent. Obviously, if you're listening to this show, you're probably already well aware of that, but we are going to discuss that news since it's the biggest news in recent memory for Sheffield Wednesday um I guess my question and perhaps there's already an answer to it uh close on the heels of Carlos leaving but why now why not a month ago I I have to think that uh that he he might have been he might have been under the understanding that he was going to leave before season's end. And I wonder if the loyalty factor for, for Chen Siri played a part in this. Um, you know, I wonder if they had spoken at one point and just said, look, Carlos, find something else. Uh, see see what other options are out there. And when it's 
when I know that you can land on your feet if we let you go, you know that that'll be the time that you leave. And I, I have to imagine he had been looking around, maybe speaking with some other clubs, and I think uh, the Swans' move was just the right time for him, and and that's why he left. I suppose it's not a real surprise they came in for him last year, I think, right before they hired Bob Bradley. I know Swansea's obviously gone through a fair amount of managers in recent seasons. Um, and it's, as down as we are on Carlos at this point, I think it's a safe bet that he probably would have been a better choice than Bob Bradley when that hire was made. Bob Bradley didn't. <laughs> what He wasn't given a chance at Swansea. Oh, okay. okay. Spoken Let's like see. a true American <laughs> soccer. Are you, are, are you auditioning for a job in the American soccer media, Evan? I, I'm actually wearing a you look, U.S. You're looking soccer to move up in the so, world. Yeah, yeah, geez. Take it easy on Bradley. Can't imagine why that didn't work out. Paul, do you think yeah, th- Carlos th- will have th- any better luck there? Well, you know, I think just just quickly popping back to that last point, I just, you know, I mean, kind of think about the events and um, the kind of causality, you know, the order in which they happened. And I think that we, you know, we had this kind of uh, statement from Chancery that was... Uh, quite surprising at the time before anything else happened this sort of epilogue um sort of an added an added note on uh, on all of the questions that he'd been trying to answer from fans and it seemed a little little you know emotional and a bit desperate and a bit a bit sad in some ways you know offering money back on on season tickets and it seemed to come out of the blue but then obviously the events of the following sort of 24 48 hours kind of kind of put that into context didn't it you know uh, you know i've been wondering about did he resign? You know, did the Swans swoop quickly? Did uh, did CC have a conversation with them ahead of that that kind of desperate plea from Chancery? Was it a desperate plea? You know, I don't, I don't know. I think as Evans kind of pointed out, one kind of quite quite a gentle scenario. You know, maybe, maybe there's another where you know where CC kind of you know did did look to to pull out against Chancery's will. Um, you know, maybe that the the, uh, the acceptance of the role today was was maybe more of a sort of contractual signature but the deal was already done uh i don't know i mean obviously it's a good move for for carlos you know he gets to the premier league doesn't he you know i think for any manager i think that's got to be a crown jewel in your career um it's a shame it's just not with us you know yeah i I suppose in his dream he didn't realize that the team was wearing a different color um it's it's premier league for him and, and we're still we're still down here it's a swan, just not an owl. Yeah, and fortunately, I wasn't fascinated by swans when I was young. Yeah, neither was I. Your history with swans is already well established at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there's to, to kick them. There's no real scenario here where I think Swansea just decided, "Oh, Carlos is available now. We're going to turn a contract around in 24 hours." I think it works out well for everyone. Uh, you know, Wednesday fans and the club gets a clean break from Carlos. He lands on his feet. They don't have to pay out the rest of his contract. So they can, you know, go in and if they so choose, get a, you know, a, a manager of, you know, equal caliber, equal level of pay and not have to sort of, you know, get double billed for the latter half of the season. I, just I, I w- think that... I, go ahead. No, I, I was going to pose a question, actually. Um... I know there's a lot of talk, especially on social, about 
whether or not Carlos is going to come after some of our players, you know, some sure. of his favorites, like like Bannon, Hooper, etc. Um, I am curious what what you guys think about that. I think it's a it's definitely a possibility. I mean, it would be very sort of Premier League January window for a team at the foot of the table to overpay for a championship striker. Yeah, and and you know we've been a team that has to sell, according to our our chairman. You know, financial fair play is going to kick in, and we've talked about unloading some players before. So I wonder if we'll kind of leverage that and and maybe send some players his way. Well, look, I mean, this is this is the reality, isn't it? That you know, we, we we said it before. You know, be careful what you wish for. You know, and now we've we've kind of as a fan base, generally, I think majority have have got what they wanted, which was you know to end Carlos's reign. Um, so now to see him quickly land somewhere else, and that, that you know, obviously, then the ambigu- ambiguity is open, isn't it? You know, we have these kind of questions. You know, is he going to take our players? Who's coming in next? You know, I'm not. I'm not sure that uh, many of those that were shouting Carlos out maybe three months ago would actually thought that far ahead. You know, and also remember, we've also you know we've lost three, four, five of our back, back kind of office staff, coach staff. You know, so um, there's a lot of questions still to be answered. You know, and I think that maybe as we we are now starting to think about that 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 first question, is he going to take players? You know, and if so, who? Uh, and even si- inside that question, there's a, there's a kind of a, a positive and a negative scenario, isn't there? I mean, you know, on one side of the coin, you've got Carlos that's gone to Swansea now with, um, we assume, uh, access to some cash. Is he going to spend that cash on removing some of our players, which, you know, the cash injection is going to help us and hopefully take some of the players that maybe haven't quite got what we need but might need, you know, might be what he needs up there. So, you know, that's the positive side. The negative side, of course, is that he takes reach, hoops, you know, everybody. You know, he takes the whole the kind of spine of our team. Well, remember, we still have to agree to sell them. I, I don't think we're going to sell the the house back to Carlos, uh, you know, over at Swansea. I don't think he's going to swoop in and take everybody. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if if one or two end up over there. I know that. Um, you know, I don't I don't watch a ton of Premier League uh, on the weekends, but I, I know that Swans really need a, a striker. They need someone to score some goals. I think is is Boney still over there? That Wilfred Boney? I think he's injured at the moment. He has is he that, has gone back to Swansea, but I don't. I, he wasn't in the lineup this weekend because I went and looked at the squad and whew, Carlos has had yeah. his work his work cut out for him there. You know what he yeah, you know what he no might kidding. need, gentlemen, um, a. A striker, like a big target man that can give Premier League center backs fits. Can you can you <laughs> imagine? Can you imagine new you in the yes. Premier League? Yes. Every morning, yes, what what would those Premier League defenders think if this guy comes lugging out in a Swans kit on a they Saturday a morning? Or, I guess yeah. afternoon over there. My <laughs> the God, Irish. there'd be fear in their eyes. They'd be trembling yeah, at yeah. the knees. Like, what is happening? What is this? I assume right Swansea here. at least still has a few like quadruple XL shirts in stock, unlike Wednesday right now. No, I think he'd fit perfectly into an XL yeah. Swans jersey. I think they're produced by, is it Joma? I think that uh, they have their sizes in order over there. But the irony of putting Big Dave in a team called the Swans, that, that's <laughs> got that's got to be uh, classic. I hope to, that to happens. Be, to be fair, he does move as smoothly as a Swan does. Hmm. He needs eating with a broom as well, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I, I'm curious what he does there. I think it, it's so interesting to me, the timing of it. You know, Carlos, not really a proven English manager. Yeah, he, he got us to the playoffs twice. But, um, you know, we didn't go further than that. Now, all of a sudden, Swan's in a relegation battle. You know, Carlos doesn't even have experience in a relegation battle in the championship, let alone uh, the, one of the toughest leagues in the world. So, uh, incredibly interesting hire from them. Well, they do have, unlike Wednesday, sort of a you know a director of sport model, a, a plan in place for the for sort of the way they want to play, the way they want to develop their team, and they've been in for Carlos before, so obviously there's something they see there. It doesn't feel like a panic move, like they didn't go out and get a david moyes and not, not that those are panic moves but those are clear sort of like we need to get out of the drop zone moves so uh, I, wonder, I suppose yeah, i wonder I if they maybe have uh, bigger designs for him yeah hopefully i i uh, I, I hope he does well i i like carlos i i'm happy that we moved on but i i truly hope that that he does well and succeeds and um i have no no harsh feelings toward him anymore i mean managers get hired to get fired in this day and age you know unless you're alex ferguson it's very very rare to go out on top and it's just as rare to survive a season of underperformance um you know at any level there's a you know short termism runs rampant i think we all agreed at this point on the show that it was probably time for a change they managed to make that move before the January window. So if they do bring in a in a big name coach, which there have certainly been some big names linked to the club in the immediate aftermath, he'll be able to put his stamp on the team in January if there is money to spend. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's easy to remember how it ended, but I mean, Carlos brought some of basically the best football we've seen in twenty years to S six. He did, he did, and and like I said, I wish him the best. It was the right time for us. Well, maybe a bit too late, but um, not a minute too soon. And I wish him the best and and onward and upward. I just keep thinking back to uh, that first game he was in charge against Preston North End. Obviously, the whole summer was uh, very tumultuous for Wednesday fans. We didn't really know anything about this journeyman Portuguese coach who'd never really stayed in one place for more than a season or so. You know, it obviously managed at some pretty big clubs like, you know, Besiktas and, you know, even in Portugal, I managed Braga for a while too. Yeah, sporting. And then, sporting. And then all of a sudden, they just came out, the kind of football they were playing, like really from the word go in that game, it was just like, what are we watching? <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, it was quite a story. Obviously, a few years of Dave Jones and Stuart Gray and Gary Megson will lower your bar to be impressed by that kind of stuff. But, you know, this was not long ball, northern blood and thunder. This was like, you know, just like watching Barcelona, as the song goes. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's be clear. I, I mean, you know, as somebody who's. You know, not I haven't done it for a, for a while now. Been living over here um, for the last eight years, but um, you know, before that and for a long time, um, you know, been a regular at Hillsborough. We had not, we have not seen 
that kind of play, you know, in over 20 years. And even then, I mean, I know we were, we were good and winning, but the kind of football that's played in the modern game now wasn't what we were playing back then. There was a little highlight of, um, uh, I don't know if anyone saw it, Stuart Pierce highlight that was flying around today on Twitter. And just to watch some of the highlights and the kind of emotion and the kind of, you know, the approach to the game was very different. So, you know, I'll, I'll go out there and say that, you know, Carlos brought a brand of football that Sheffield Wednesday has never seen, you know, success or no. Uh, I think that we have to recognise that, you know, and in such a short period of time for a manager to come into the country, you know, not just championship, you know, but to just come in cold like that and yet, you know, with support financially, but, you know, to kind of take control of a team, make some of those crucial injections and to lead us on the charge we've been on for the last couple of years. Every every body who understands the game has to take the hat off and say thank you to this guy that's that's really shown us that we can you know we can do it we can we can get back there that's that's what i uh, you know that's my kind of ode to carlos thank you thank you carlos i mean look at the performances he got out of barry bannon and fernando forestieri and you know daniel pudil at times gary hooper Like, he really did get the best out of these players for a couple of years. Yeah, and, you know, there's a shelf life for this kind of stuff. And, again, you can't, everybody can't be Burnley. You can't sort of rise and fall with one manager. Would he have worked it out in 2018-2019 after a mid-table season finish this year? It's entirely possible. Uh, it's not a game right now where most managers get a chance to figure that out that's just the reality of it and you know for a however it comes out if it even comes out what the exact situation was for a underperforming championship manager on his way out to immediately get a premier league job i think also to a certain extent speaks volumes about how carlos is viewed within the game right now So Carlos is out, but who is in? Lee Bowen is in charge of the first team for the foreseeable future. It sounds like various rumblings have a new manager coming in sometime in January, though not when the window opens, perhaps around the FA Cup third round matchup or the Steel City Derby rematch. But uh, there's been some interesting names linked to Wednesday, sort of the betting favorites right now. Um, one that came up today and was, thank God, quickly dismissed with Steve McLaren. Uh, Evan, I know you're not too familiar with Steve McLaren. Um, I've been a long-time listener of the Football Ramble podcast, and Steve McLaren's been a regular concern there. And it's funny, this came up just after they did sort of their 12 most notable stories in football of the last decade and one of them was steve mclaren failing to qualify for the euros with the england national team not the best important in the world this was a, a really strange one for me um just because the name came out of nowhere i, I had heard of mclaren but i i truly i actually had a discussion with one of my buddies from newcastle today um, <laughs> i'm sure he has asking things about to him. say yeah, yeah, he, he was more indifferent than anything, but 
not in in favor of. I think Steve McLaren. McLaren definitely inspires indifference as a general rule. Right. He's not even and, like bad. He's not even like hateable enough to hate. Right. And, and in general, what I would do in a situation like this with any other sport when a manager's name is being tossed around or a coach's name for a different sports being tossed around, I go to social media and I see what people are saying about them. Well, with the Wednesday fan base, you, you really can't um, <laughs> you really can't please them. So I really took everyone's com- uh, complaints with a grain of salt. And then I started reading about McLaren and realizing how kind of bland his resume is. And <clears throat> then I started to buy into some of the things people were saying. And then somehow pictures came out of him walking out of Hillsborough today and i was just so confused it seemed like it was a done deal all of a sudden like this guy came out of nowhere um like from the clouds and he's just all of a sudden going to be hired in so yeah quite an interesting day the biggest name linked to the job so far is uh shakhtar Donetsk manager paulo fonseca so for a report on that we'll go to our own paulo owen uh this would be a pretty snazzy hire I think yeah I, I, well it, I think it would it would be more than that I think it would be an absolute coup because if anyone's been following you know recently the conversations he's been connected with um, at Everton um, uh, you know it, it would just it, I just don't think it's it's real I think it's this classic kind of social media moment where there's a, there's an empty seat so everyone quickly looks around and picks the names and throws them at the seat I think that's just just what's happening here i don't think there's, there's anything in this i don't even think there's a chance from what i what i understand at least is you know that is probably that the big sam allardyce is in there keeping the seat warm for um for fonseca's contract i think it runs out in the summer to you know to expire uh i think it's almost been documented that he wants the job at everton and and we might even see him move to everton in the summer so i'd be extremely surprised to see you know, see a, a Mercedes pull up with that chap sat in the back, dressed as Zorro or not. I don't know. That was the. That was the. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if anyone knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, he is literally uh, headed into the round of 16 in the Champions League against Roma. Right. Yeah. I mean, he beats he beats Man City, doesn't he? And uh, does his press conference dressed as Zorro. Well, although he says he was going to dress as Zorro, he, he looked a little bit more like Widow Twanky or uh, the, the hooded claw. I'm not sure, quite sure what. Well, uh, have a look at this. Have a look at the shot of him. It's kind of funny online. You'll find it quite easily. It looks like he's wearing uh, my grandma's cape and uh, a pair of pants on his head, and uh, like a very large, like stupid hat. But anyway, he's supposed to be Zorro. But you know, I don't know. I just think I just think it's nonsense. You know, as much as his Zorro costume that he'd ever be the manager with us. But you know, just joking aside, I think the thing that was kind is kind of confusing me as I. I had a quick look at his record. He's a manager that's not really stuck it out anywhere. You know, at, at Shakhtar Braga, um, Pecos, FC Porto, you know, all of these places. He's about a year, no more than that. It's increasingly better records, but uh, it's really only with um, um, Shakhtar that's kind of impressive at 59 wins, eight draws and 10 losses. So he's looking good right now, but... Yeah, that's pretty good. But if you actually look back be, be, before, he hasn't actually finished a complete 
calendar year with any of his last four clubs. So, you know, you've got to ask what's going on there from the man that dresses as Zorro. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure whether he's the right guy, but, you know, he's already involved with conversations with the likes of Big Sam and Everton. So I'm sure he's not coming to us. Well, he's obviously a, a good coach. He, his record speaks for itself. You know, Porto, he had 21 wins, 7 losses, 9 draws. Braga, 29 wins, 13 losses, 15 draws. And his record at Shock Tart, I always call him Shock Tart. Um, I have forever because those were one of my favorite candies. But, <clears throat> you know, he, he's been good. Like you said, he's only stayed a year or so. The only thing about him that kind of stands out to me, other than the fact that he doesn't stay long, is that he he doesn't necessarily go into a club and turn the club around. He he's not a guy that's gone in and you know taken a, a struggling club to new heights. You know he's you know at Porto the year before he joined they they had twenty four wins and, and six losses and then the year he he managed they still had nineteen wins but four losses and, and seven draws and, and Braga they had seventeen wins seven losses ten draws he came in they had sixteen wins 10 losses eight draws i mean he, he's not he doesn't come in and, and turn clubs around and that's kind of what we need right now is a guy that's going to add a spark in, in and i'm not sure not necessarily sure he's the one could aitor karanka be that man evan well he's he's gonna he's, turn jordan Rhodes around right out the door probably <laughs> yeah well I, i'll tell you what he, he's my favorite for the job right now and I'll tell you why. It's all based on what he's done or what he did at Middlesbrough. You know, they finished 16th the year before he took over, then 12th, then 4th, then 2nd in automatic promotion. Um, he, he has experience at high level. You know, he was the Real Madrid assistant for a while. Uh, and then he figured the championship out as soon as he came over. Um, he the, has experience. As the pundits would say, he knows how to get out of the league. Yeah, exactly. He knows how to lead the team to promotion. Um and a big thing for me with Karanka, 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 how, how do you want to say it? I've heard it both ways, so. All right. Well, with Big K, um, he, he was a, a defender. He's got a defensive mindset. You know, when he was at Middlesbrough, they had the fewest goals against in the league for two years straight when they finished fourth and second. And the biggest thing we need right now is to tighten up the back. And so... I just think he'd be the perfect fit. He's a guy. I, I've heard the complaints. You know, I, I've had some discussions. I understand he's a, a prickly character. He Mercurial, doesn't get, yes. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't get on well with Rhodes. Well, I'll tell you what. If he wants to come in and he wants to sell Rhodes right away, I know that's a sin in Patty's ears. But, um, you know, so be it. I mean, I, I think this guy, uh, this guy has proven to be a good manager at, at our level. And I think he's the kind of guy we need. And, of course, it wouldn't be a Sheffield Wednesday job opening without Mego's name coming up again. Yes, I think Gary Megson is on the uh, betting sheet. This is Chris Wilder, apparently, now, which is amusing to me just for banter. But as far as Megson goes, I think if we want a, a blood-and-thunder gaffer that knows the club, uh, we might already have one in our caretaker. Um, our care like Bolin. Yes, is that what you're saying. Was, yes. Yeah, sorry, I I tuned out for a second, as I got a uh, a message on my phone. My wife, I'm not gonna say it. Never mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> Moving it's on. Late. It's, it's late. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Bolin. Yeah, he's great. It, it was obviously a 
it was quite a shocking performance in a good way on Saturday. And, or, sorry, not Saturday, but Tuesday, rather. And uh, if he ends up holding the reins for the year, I, I won't be disappointed. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, you've you got two scenarios, haven't you? You know, has Chancery got the the right team, right? It's not just the manager because, you know, the manager these days comes with the whole kind of setup, doesn't doesn't he? So, you know, is Karenka that, that guy? You know, I don't know. I, I, for me, Karenka is, is basically Carlos, right? I think he's, he can be a little bit... Um, belligerent i think that his philosophy is you know is pretty much the same as carlos is playing from the back and you know i'm not sure we get anything different you know and actually hearing some of the stuff that um i've been reading today about i think it was don housen talk in his article talking about how you know maybe carlos is uh you know his ways with some of the more peripheral players um was a little bit brutal i think you'll get that answer with karanka so i'm not sure if this is the right the right guy for the right moment you know so i don't see a manager out there that's the right one for us right now unless you know there's other the conversations happening beyond the the kind of broad social media and media you know coverage um so the scenario too is just hang on to bullen you know hang on to hang on to what you've got see the season out and rebuild from there you know who who knows it's it's a it's a a guess isn't it but uh, if you are going to hang on from from what I've seen from Bullen and and the way he kind of talks, I think he's got the right philosophy and he absolutely understands what what all his fans want, which is you know some some blood and some guts, and just see the players put in a shift. You know, winning would be nice, but put in a shift. I think he gets that. So you know, if that's what's going to see us through to the end of the season, then yeah, I could I could see maybe well, I'd vote for Bullen, sure. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Actually, I think uh, you know if if somehow. DC Chancery, if he thinks that he has the right guy that he can hire right now, so be it. But I don't think we should hire a guy, to your point, Paul, that, that's just going to see us through to the end of the year. I think Megson is that. I think he's just a. He, he hasn't. Has he even coached in the last five years? Has he? What's he doing? What's he been doing? Yeah, he was. Uh, he popped up at West Brom as caretaker. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, back to Bolin. I, I think that he's. Uh, if we're going to stick with someone just through the end of the year and reevaluate during the summer, just stick with Bowen. Give him all of January. He's been with the club. He kind of uh, has has a feeling of, of what's going on and an understanding of what we may need and what we can maybe get rid of. And uh, I, I don't think there's anyone better to to do that from an insider standpoint than, than Bowen, at least. I, am I think gonna... the biggest... <clears throat> oh, go on. I said, I'm just going to go down some of the other... Uh managers listed on uh, Skybet. Uh, McLaren's a 1-2 to two favorite right now, but that can change quickly. Uh, how is he still How is he still the 1-2 favorite when it's come out that he's <laughs> from definitely not in? <laughs> Maybe the I mean, who's still making that bet? <laughs> Obviously somebody. Uh, Gus Poyet at 4-1. to one. Not particularly exciting. Uh, Paul Lambert. Uh, Slavin Bilic. Gary Monk, Andres Villas-Boas, who would be a rare manager that might be a fashion upgrade from Carlos. Uh, Brendan Rogers, Dean Smith, Nigel Pearson, Paulo DeCanio, Roy Keane, 
If you want to put oh, a crafty, God, really? if you want to put ten pounds down on Sven Goran Eriksson, that'll bring you back two hundred and fifty. <laughs> are some of those uh, some of those guys from the Wednesday Sing Facebook group? Are they the ones making these these lists? Uh, the, I mean, uh, there's some crazy ideas thrown around. I like that uh, Dennis Bearcamp and Harry Redknapp have the same odds here. <laughs> what what is that? Thirty three to one. Also, yes, uh, Leonid Slutsky, who just got fired after drawing with Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also at thirty-three to one, Tim Sherwood. And your, uh, if you want to put a crafty quid down on Louis Van Gaal, that'll return fifty to one odds. Louis Van yeah. Gaal, bring him in, the Dutchman. Love it. Yeah. I think the uh, the Gary Monk talk was was interesting for a little bit. Um, he obviously fell out at Leeds uh, not long ago. Was it just last year? I think he had a terrible end of the season. But uh, when, when was that? It was just last year, wasn't it? I believe. Yeah, so. it was. Right. Yeah. So he's uh, he'd be interesting, wouldn't he? He kind of to me he feels about the same, at least tactically as Carlos uh, I don't know if he'd be able to get much more out of what we have now than, than Carlos would but uh, I mean Toro certainly show. looked the better side they're sort of beating us at our own game in the Saturday game hey didn't we talk about not reviewing this one let's keep that to ourselves <laughs> um, yeah I, I think this happens every time there's a managerial opening and we, we always see it, you know, the betting odds come out and they throw out the big names. And I think they throw out the ones that people know because they love to put, put money down on those. And the whole betting world's completely different here in the United States. But, um, at the end of the day, Paul, Paul, what do you think? I know you've, you've been pretty vocal about it. Do you think a manager that comes in now can make enough difference to get us into the top six by the end of the year? Well, I, 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 yes, I think you know any anything can happen. It's happened before, hasn't it? I think um, it's half time, as they say. It's um, we've still got as many games almost as we've we've played, so anything can happen. You know, as big a hole you dug, you can fill it in the second half. So it's absolutely possible. You know, and you sort of philosophically, you get this moment when you you make a managerial change. You know, at Christmas, you know, there's lots of things that happen psychologically for players as well. You know, they're starting to think about, you know, some of them, you know, approaching end of contracts, looking to renew, looking to move on, looking to impress. You know, injuries uh, sort of magically start to, you know, those non-serious ones magically start to disappear and momentum changes after Christmas. So when you get a new manager, you get the bounce, you know. So, you know, for me, I'm going to hold my breath right now because, and I know we're going to talk about Forest in a second, but you know, suddenly everything's euphoric again because we won three nil. But you know, that for me is just that's our bounce. You know, we've we've lost a manager, uh, and off we go. So we've got a positive first game after that. Um, but is that going to is that going to stick? You know, how long do we remain in that positive? mode you know how much how much uh, time will that upward trajectory last for is it gonna is it gonna dry up on the next game you know how how long is the bounce you know is you know and it, it will the manager help that and you know l- l- let's see but it's absolutely possible of course you know um there's all the points to play for i'm just not really you know 
a believer that one person comes in and makes all the change you know i think you can kind of co- you know play contrasts if you add a, a you know a very low motivational manager suddenly you get a very high motivational motivational emotional manager that can obviously kind of fill a void and and you get a response you know so there's t- there's like a million different scenarios we don't know what was going on in the in the locker rooms there or the dressing rooms um so we we just don't know so we don't know what that dynamic is but to answer your question absolutely it's possible but personally i just think with the aging squad we've got i i worry that last year was was the peak for lots of those players um can we get that dynamic now with this squad before the end of the season that can really push on for promotion that's a different question i'm not so sure myself it did look promising against Nottingham Forest, which we will discuss in greater detail after the break. Happier times now on the Owls Americast as we reviewed the Boxing Day... We can't call it a massacre because it has a very specific... Uh, Context. We'll call it the Boxing Day drubbing of Nottingham Forest. A big 3-0 win in Lee Bullen's debut as interim manager. Very happy for Bully, actually, uh, to get a win under his belt early. You know, obviously a long-time uh, soldier for the club. Been on the coaching staff now for probably like five or six years, it feels like. And gets uh, gets a good performance out of the squad. Whether it was new manager bump, whether it was just Forest being bad because they're pretty bad, and they also looked as good against Forest in the reverse fixture. Um, it did feel though like a little bit more like a hybrid between sort of the blood and thunder style and the you know the smooth passing of early Carlos. You know, balls were going into the box early. They were sort of a little bit more pace on the counter uh but the biggest highlight for me was uh a suddenly rejuvenated lucas Zhao. evan yeah i i was shocked Zhao. not only was he rejuvenated and playing well up front did you notice how many times he tracked back and played defense even in in the box i mean he he was literally all over the pitch i don't know if he had a set position he just he roamed around. He was all over the place, and it was fantastic. I mean, he was he was dispossessing the opponent in the defensive third. He was he obviously scored a, a brilliant goal. He was energized. He was moving around the pitch well. He was moving other guys around the pitch well, passing well, and uh, creating chances. I, I was it's so enthusiastic about how he was playing. And I, I really, really, really hope he plays that way going forward because he looked like a top player in the league. It did seem like he wasn't the only one on the pitch that had more permission to freelance a bit. You know, Reach was roaming all over the place. I mean, Hutch is Hutch. He was just still pretty much Hutch. But I, obviously his injection to the squad, I think, has made a huge difference the last two games. Even though we're not talking about the Burrow game, I thought Hutch was clearly the best, uh, put in the best Wednesday performance in that one as well. Um, I think for me, the man of the match is actually Joe Wildsmith, but you want to give a shout here for Adam Reach, Paul? 
Yeah, I do. I, yeah, just sort of building on what you were saying that um, you know there was there was a there's a couple of runs. What one in particular where 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 Reach is kind of like coming from our half, bounding down the centre of the field, and he's got Ross Wallace out to his left. You know, I was thinking, what the hell's going on? What what are we playing here? It was such freedom. You know, there's players all over the place. Um, but Reach just seemed like he had a personal point to prove, didn't he? I mean, he was every time he got the ball, he was turning, he was running, you know, some awesome stuff. And obviously, we don't want to, don't necessarily need to talk much about that goal. But my God, if that's his wrong foot, unbelievable! You know, it set us up, set us up for the story. That's for sure. You know, I think the stage was set for for the rest of the game, regardless, wasn't it? I think when that that went in, everyone was like, yes. And I think you know, people started talking about the shackle coming off from that moment onwards, didn't they? It I did really like, was uh, a performance for the ages. I did like Bully's post-game comment about that too, where he's just like, yeah, reach toward that goal with his right foot, he'll never do that again in his life. <laughs> yeah, right. He's very, much, like he's very much a straight shooter in the post-game, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he was saying like, and I think you saw it in the, in the, in the first half. Like he said, like, yeah, we definitely want to come out more aggressively and take our chances, but maybe... We were a little too aggressive in the first half. And you could see it. They were certainly vulnerable on the counter. Uh, as I said, I think Joe Wildsmith really kept them in the match uh, in the first half. They could have easily been down you know, a couple goals or to the ill before uh, the penalty at the end of the first half. And Wildsmith just you know stood up and made save after save. And you know, as he's sort of gotten more run out in the first team squad and it sounds like he might be the the first choice keeper for a while now he's just looked better and better each game he did look yeah. very good and you, you know he looked he looked pretty good for most of the match on saturday and we said don't review um but saturday he looked great and obviously he had that uh one mishap where it hit off his hand and went to the goal but um he really has looked fantastic and i, I know i talked about it early on he's He's one of my favorite players in the club, just because he's he's one of the, uh, you know, the the homegrown players, if you will, and I'm happy to see him doing well. So I guess we have to have the same conversation we have after every time Wednesday puts in a performance like this, which has happened a few times this year. Can they build on this? Yeah, I, I know. I I just want to. Maybe I'm going to take the shine off this a little bit because I know the goals went in. You know, and we we I think other than other than that kind of shot by Jow um, that was the kind of the wonder save by Jordan Smith that he kind of, kind of at full stretch saved it onto the bar. I think other than that, we kind of took every chance we had. I think um, you know, and I think that Forrest in the first half, you know, as Bullen was saying, maybe we were kind of overplaying a little bit. I think what he's trying to say is that they actually kind of, you know, they could have had three goals themselves. I think defensively, we still look very poor, you know, and I think there was a few moments that, that I'd picked out that were, were kind of shocking, like very, very terrifying almost, where we had that moment with Osborne to Mackay. Do you remember where... If you watch the highlights, you can see Mackay is just like racing in the foreground of the frame, like past everybody from his own half, totally unmarked, unseen. And there's a beautiful little ball from Osborne through, which basically cuts through eight of our players, you know, with one ball. It's terrifying. You know, so I think we have to be very careful. I think the goals went in. We got, we got, did get a big dose of luck here, but 
I, I, you know, I don't want to kind of take too much away from it, but I just wonder if the emotion of losing Carlos kind of writes the story for us in this game rather than the actual performance. Um, I think we had a couple of, you know, a couple of great goals, won a penalty. Glad to see Jordan put it away, but you know, I don't know. I just want to, as I say, you know, the bounce has started. I'm just a little bit more kind of feet on the ground about this performance-wise. I think yeah, I think it's absolutely absolutely important to keep keep our heads on our shoulders and and understand. Just like you said, we're on the bounce, we're we're on the rebound, and yes, our our defense desperately needs help. Our back line is is shoddy, and um, it was definitely apparent. And we've had we we've been so blessed with two good goalkeepers in Wildsmith and and Westwood. You know, they they're both brilliant. They both keep us in matches. I think. They're, they're both key reasons that that we've been as close as we have been in most matches this year. Uh, but look, let's not forget we switched to a four-three-three as well. You know, we played a different formation, we played a different squad. It was uh, just kind of a different look. And you know, if if Boland stays, maybe we stick with that four-three-three and continue to see how it works. And as players come back from injury, start to to insert them in that. And um, you know, maybe we can we can see this right out. I think. That we absolutely can. I, I just hope that, you know, just like you said, it, the players were definitely, you know, they've rebounded. They, they have that burst of energy from losing their manager. If they can keep that burst of energy, you know, and build, like Jeff said, if they can continue to build on, you know, good victories, then we could be in good shape. But let's not forget what happened when we beat Aston Villa. Uh, what was it, 4 1? We, we just destroyed them. It was our probably our best performance of the season outside of. Or Leeds, or the last time we played Forest. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we don't we don't have a good history of of you know playing well after we've played well, and so hopefully we can continue to play well. But um, we definitely we just desperately need to keep that energy up, and hopefully the shackles are off of these players, and we can continue to push forward. Well, Wednesday we'll have a chance to do just that with two games coming up on the long weekend, and we'll preview them after this. Now we turn our attention to the upcoming fixtures in this crowded holiday period. On Saturday... Wednesday head to Brentford, and Burton Albion comes to town on Monday. Paul, James is asleep, I would assume, so you are our backup British town expert. And the only thing I know about Brentford is that there is a pub in all four corners of the stadium. Frankly, I don't know if you need to know much more about it to cast it as a good away day. Yeah, I'm certainly not going to step into James's shoes and dish the dirt on uh, on these places, particularly not Brentford, because my experience of Brentford is uh, it's, it's actually a really nice place. Uh, yeah, you know, pubs in in each corner, pubs all over the place. It's just such a lovely place, actually. Uh, and I know there's kind of a, a bit of a friendly bond between between us and them, anyway. So uh, I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go out there and say anything bad about the place. You know, it's. You know, it's kind of an extreme north northwest part of London, essentially, for Americans that don't know. Um, it's kind of connected to Greater London. 
um, it's um, it's got an affluent place, um, and probably that's why everyone's kind of got happy about their game. I also I also think it's worth noting that you know they for a few seasons now have really been punching above their kind of sort of foundational weight as you'd expect from a from from the Brentford club. But um, you know, good luck to them. I think they found a, a little bit of secret sauce, some some good ownership, and um, seem to be producing and turning around good players. Um, and it, you know, it goes without saying that recently they've certainly given us a good game and beaten us. I think the last time in February last season, wasn't it? I think they they beat us two one. So yeah, we got to be careful. I think recently they've um, had wins over Norwich and Villa. Villa, I think, was Boxing Day. So we, we got to watch them. Um, I think they got two defeats in the last seventeen and haven't been beaten at home since August. So it's on paper. It's going to be a tough one. It always feels like a tough ground to go to, too. It's one of those sort of old-school, tight pitches. Crowd right on top of you. Not a lot of space to maneuver. It can be a, a tough environment. And we've had some success there. Uh, uh, going back a couple of years ago, I remember we watched uh, the game that ended, had multiple red cards, ended with the uh, Jow's goal in the dying moments, give us the win with a few... Brentford fans, and they, they they always seem like they're just like a nice group of people to hang out with as a as a group, it feels like. Like, there's just never really any problems with Brentford. You know, I always used to enjoy it as a as a kind of an away day experience. And um, my, my fondest memory, obviously, because we beat them, was playing them twice in the, uh, the, the sort of playoffs <laughs> to, uh, to Cardiff. Um, I think it was Lee Peacock banging in a goal against them to, uh, to secure it for us. But uh, yeah, I, I really like Brentford. I'm looking forward to playing them. I like Brentford, as long as we beat them, of course. Less notable is the uh, Burton Albion game. It's another West Midlands team, James. We've had a lot of them. James? No, oh, sorry. Force of habit. He's all I can think of. Evan, Evan, talk about the last time you were were in Burton watching the Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah, the last time I was in the West Midlands was uh, never. I think as we've well established, neither of our American hosts know anything about the West Midlands, their history or culture. (laughs) Yeah, Right, I do know that that Burton have won two of their last three, including a 2-1 win over over Reading and and 1-0 over Bolton. Who who doesn't beat Bolton at this point? Uh, I mean, outside of us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they're on a, a, a decent run of form, I suppose, in the, the last few weeks. And they've been a bit of a bogey side for Wednesday since their promotion back to the championship. Yeah. We, we don't beat Burton, do we? It's just not something that's in our uh, game at the moment. So uh, the crazy thing is, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably go and do one over Brentford and lose to Burton, won't we? We're Wednesday, you know? I mean, looking at these two games, you, you'd think... Obviously, now that we we play in gold and white, and we're we, you know we're, we're uh, the shackles are off and all that, I think we should be looking at both of these as a win. But I gotta say, one of these we're going to slip up, aren't we? And I would not put money on beating Burton right now. That's 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 my uh, my tip. The mood got sour again pretty quickly, didn't it? <laughs> the highs the highs don't last long in Wednesday fandom. <laughs> Well, if you want to watch the Brentford game, we do have meetups in New York City at the Football Factory and in New Orleans at Finn McCool's. 
I don't think Patty's gotten around to updating the website for the New Year's Day games yet. I assume there will be another uh, Football Factory meetup for that as well. That's about it. Do we have any other business? No, I, I uh, Paul Paul dropped a picture of Gary Monk into our agenda on Google Drive, and I just have to say that that Gary Monk has the best hair that I've seen of any manager. It's high quality hair. It's nearly perfect. It's, it's well quaffed. We might as well just go all the way now and say the reason why I dropped it in <laughs> there was because he's an absolute. This is shot that we've got that uh, it's absolute spitting image of Craig, who's one of the New York Owls. So, don't know if he's listening, but shout out to to Craig uh, you look like Gary Monk mate <laughs> I suppose there are worse people to look like right I had a little bit of, um, of the business not not much but um, I noticed we had four players in the championship um, team of the week this week the only one I would question was Fox I know you love Fox Evan he, can you believe that he actually got into the championship team of the week this week he didn't exactly reason... play that well no, I think the only reason he's there is because he he didn't play badly. I think he was just kind of non-existent, and so they're like, "Hey, we need we need a left need back. Someone, yeah, we need a left back." Uh, Wednesday, won three nil. That's clean sheet. Yeah, we'll take Fox. I mean, usually these formations for these teams of the week are like three two fives or something like that. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know how he squeaked in there, but uh, look, I know I had some harsh words about Fox, but if he, I don't know. I I don't. I don't hope anyone plays poorly when they're when they're on the pitch for us. So I do hope that he turns things around. That'll be it for episode twelve, the Owls Americast. If you want to get in contact with the show, we're on Owls Americas on Twitter. You can email us at owlsamericas at gmail dot com and visit our website at owlsamericas dot com. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesday Ice Reverend and the Makers podcast is on itunes soundcloud stitcher google play podbean and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts there's no wrong way to listen to the show just do what feels right wherever you choose to consume the owls americast we ask you rate and review the show as it helps more wednesdayites find our ramblings and speaking of ramblings you can leave the show a voicemail on our dazed and mumbled line at 1401-307-1867 international rates do apply you can dial it for free using Google Voice. Evan is on Twitter, at Ohio Owl. Evan, your prediction for the date a new Wednesday manager is named and who that manager is. Ah, man, I think we stick with Bowen through the rest of this season. Paul is on Twitter, at the O Wednesday. Paul, you never did get a chance to sing Carlos Had a Dream on the podcast again. I didn't, did I? I will do one day, but yeah, unfortunately. I was trying to tweet, trying to start a tweet meme to get everyone to sing uh, at the Forest game. God, no, it's a shame that. No, I didn't, did I? I'm on Twitter, at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here next week, hopefully with the full Fab Fivesome. Uh-huh.